you can open up your Bible to the very end of Daniel. We're mostly going to be in the last chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, we're going to cover a little bit of chapter 11, since I didn't get to finish that up quite uh, last weekend. Um, but uh, next Sunday, I was going to note for you, if you are in town and if you're able to be with us in person or via live stream if you need to uh, for health reasons, uh, we're actually going to be starting Advent already next Sunday, which is wild that we always set aside the four Sundays before Christmas, leading up to Christmas to, to celebrate, to remember the first coming of Jesus and then to look ahead to the second coming of Jesus. So that already starts next Sunday. And so uh, because it is 2020, we're going to call it hindsight. Uh, you'll see why more next week. The whole saying "hindsight is 2020." Connect that dot. There you go. Uh, but we'll, we'll uh, it's early. Um, we'll uh, share more about that uh, next Sunday and in the Sundays that follow as we look ahead to Christmas. But every day, every Sunday, celebrate that Christ has come for us and that He's coming again. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, but this week is Thanksgiving week. Uh, many of us have kind of adapted our plans. Uh, maybe we're staying home when we used to go on trips, or maybe we're having smaller gatherings than normal, uh, which I think is healthy for most of us this year. Um, but there's one thing uh, that I, I don't look forward to, but it's always a marker of when we go to visit our family, at least the last several years when we've had kids in the vehicle with us, is that from the back seat, depending on their age, uh, sometimes multiple of them are asking regularly, are we there yet? Or how many more minutes till we get there? How long till we get there, Dad? Mom, how long till we get there? How long till we get to Grandma's? Uh, and they keep asking and asking, and you can answer it all sorts of different ways, but they keep asking and asking. I wish I could hear that this week, to be honest. We're, we're just going to stay home, so I won't get to hear that this week, but I look forward to hearing it again uh, when we're able to do uh, trips uh, on holidays, specifically to go visit our family. Uh, but I think there's something that's sincere, something that's endearing uh, in some ways uh, with kids when they ask that, because as humans, we're always looking ahead, aren't we? We're always anticipating, like, when are we going to arrive? And whatever that thing is I'm looking forward to, whether it's just a couple minutes away or a few hours away or a few states away, uh, a couple months away, like some birthday coming up or things like that. We're always looking ahead to anticipating when's that going to come? Like when's it going to happen? When's it going to finally be here? When are we actually going to be there? And uh, as we come to the end of Daniel today, we're going to be in that sort of realm of questioning uh, where Daniel and even this other angel that, uh, that is around as he's been receiving this last vision, they're going to be asking, hey, when is the end of time? How's that going to happen? When are we going to get there? Like, how's this going to unfold? And we're going to see uh, this angel continue to give Daniel an answer to that. And it might not be as specific as we want. It might not be as precise as we want to know every detail of how things are going to unfold. But he is going to communicate very clearly to Daniel, and then God will to us as we read it, He's going to communicate to us about what that end of time, the time of the end, is going to be like. What are some things that we can know that can be triggers or landmarks that are going to help us to know that we're getting near and that that end is coming? And so we're going to start here in just a moment at Daniel chapter 11, verse 36. We left off at verse 35 last week. But um, as always, I don't want to assume that you've been here as we've been going through this book. We're at the very end of it now. We're ending our destination this week uh, with this book. But basic gist of where we are is because we're, we're going to pick up kind of midstream in a conversation between Daniel and an angel. 
Daniel is this, he's an old man at this point in time. This is the last known interaction that we have of him with anybody, and he records it for us, uh, probably in his 90s. Uh, and he, his whole life, has been living in exile away from the promised land. He's, he's been uh, far away in the land of Babylon. Uh, and these last three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, are an account, they all go together, which we're going to read the end of it today, of him having this last vision. He'd had a lot of dreams. He'd interpreted dreams throughout his life. But he has this final vision. And this angel meets him on the bank of the Tigris River and speaks to him about all sorts of stuff that's going to happen after his life. Uh, kings that are going to rise up and kingdoms that are going to come. And he doesn't tell him all the names of them and whatnot, but he paints this picture of all these kingdoms and people that are going to come. And we're going to pick up right where we left off, verse 36 last time. He's been telling Daniel about this king uh, who we know, living on this side of history, to be a man named Antiochus Epiphanes. That's quite the name. Uh, and we're going to pick up where he had just left off talking about him. And we're going to read, I'm going to read the end of this chapter and we'll hit pause and then we'll pick it back up in chapter 12 here in just a moment. But follow along with me, start at verse 36 and I'm going to read down to 45. And so we're going to pick up where this angel is speaking to Daniel and he continues uh, talking about this king that's going to rise up and says this. He says, the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all. He shall honor the god of fortresses instead of these. A god whom his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts, he shall deal with the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign god. Those who acknowledge him, he shall load with honor. He shall make them rulers over many and shall divide the land for a price. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him. But the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. And he shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land and the main part of the Ammonites. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver and all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. And he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain, Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. I want to pause right there and walk back through what this angel is, is picturing for Daniel about this king who's going to come. Uh, and I'm going to call this section, and it'll be the first thing that this angel tells Daniel and that we can look ahead to as a sign that the time of the end is coming eventually. I'm, I'm calling it the rise of the Antichrist rise of the Antichrist. You don't see that word Antichrist in there, um, but I want to share a little bit of why I think that is indeed what this angel was telling Daniel to expect and to come. Uh, as I mentioned, the angel immediately before this had been uh, anticipating and talking about this king who we know to be Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, the, this king who uh, was awful in so many ways. He even eventually went into the land of Jerusalem and, and uh, desecrated the temple and sacrificed pigs there uh, to to Zeus and foreign gods, things like that. Uh, 
there's not an obvious, definite place where this angel starts looking even beyond Antiochus into the future. It's definitely by verse 40, right? Because he starts talking about at the time of the end, because uh, that's not even come yet for us, and it's looking ahead even far beyond us. But I would suggest even back in verse 36, I think he starts to talk about, this angel starts to talk about, as he has that heavenly book we saw last week of the future opened up and sees the future. I think by, even by verse 36, he's starting to talk about this king who's going to rise up at the end of time. And, and we see a few things about this king who's going to rise up. And the rest of scripture, especially in the New Testament, starts to talk about him as this antichrist. That's even this title that is given to him, whoever he may be, when he comes onto the world scene. And this antichrist, we're going to see a couple things in those verses I just read. A few things that are going to be markers of him. Things that are indicative of that this is indeed him. The first one I would say, if you look at verse 36 and verse 37, is that he's going to be marked by pridefulness. That there's going to be immense pride in this man's heart. Verse 36 says that he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. So that's not just how other people are going to respond to him. He's saying, the angel's saying he's going to magnify himself. He's going to try to lift himself up above every God. And then verse 37 says he'll magnify himself above all. Uh, so every human, everything, he's going to try to make himself to be seen greater than them. So he's going to be marked by pride. You also see, though, I say in verse 36, you see that he's going to be marked by an opposition to God. That may seem obvious, right? But in opposition to God, verse 36 says specifically that he's going to speak astonishing things against the God of gods. So it's not just going to be passive or unknown. He's going to say things, astonishing things against the true God. He's going to be prideful. He's going to be opposed to God. But he's going to be powerful as well. That, that's something that we see about this king to come, that he's going to have immense power. If you look at verse 39, for example, it says that he'll, he will deal, which we don't know exactly what this means, but he will deal with the strongest fortresses, uh, that, that, that he'll be able to overtake them. Uh, verse 40 says that he will come into countries, plural, and overflow and pass through, almost like this river that's just going to rush through and, and overtake these countries. You see in verse 40, it talks about uh, even chariots and horsemen and many ships that he will have that he brings to bear in battle. So he has immense power. And the last thing you see, a note about him that we can anticipate, is not just that he's going to be opposed to God himself, but he's going to be opposed to God's people too. Uh, if you look in verse 41, uh, this angel says that he will come into the glorious land and tens of thousands shall fall. That glorious land was the promised land. It was that area around Jerusalem that God had given to his people to live in. And this king, uh, this antichrist who's going to rise up at the time of the end, is going to even go into the land of God's people and, and kill and take over there. He's not just going to pick targets that are outside of that, but he's going to go even there. And so uh, there, there have been, even in these kings that we've seen him and this angel anticipate, even leading up to Antiochus, there's these kind of foreshadowings of this ultimate Antichrist, this ultimate king who's going to rise up at the time of the end. 
And a couple words of application before we get into chapter 12. I, I think it is important, this seems so obvious for us, to, but we can miss it. I think it's important for us to remember that there is going to be some generation of Christians who is going to see this person rise up. This is going to happen. As surely as all these kings that this, this angel said would rise up, this one is included. He will rise up. He will live in the ways that this angel is anticipating, that this angel is foretelling. There is some generation that will experience this, and it could be ours. I'm not saying it will be. I have no idea. But it could be, right? Right? There is some generation that will see this person rise up. And this Antichrist, whoever he may end up being, he's not going to, I don't think we have to assume that he's going to rise up with actual chariots and go like old school, like, hey, I'm going to fight old school with chariots and, and things like that. Uh, this angel was communicating to Daniel in the terminology of his age about certainties of the future. In categories that Daniel would understand, that his hearers, his readers would have understood, he's telling him about stuff that's going to happen far into the future. And so this Antichrist is going to rise up. He is going to be prideful. He is going to be opposed to God. He is going to be powerful. And he is going to be opposed to God's people as well. There's some views that people have of the end of time as they read scripture that I don't think is dealing with texts like this one. And even what we're about to read in chapter 12, this view of the end of time that it's going to be pleasant, that things are just going to progressively this teach us that things are going to get worse. That there's going to be volatility until the time of the very end. And we need to not anticipate the future out of what we think God will do, what we would expect God to do and write the story how we think, but this angel was reading from the book of truth saying this is what's going to happen. This king is going to rise up and we ought to listen to it. And we, I say that this year in particular, 2020, because I think sometimes when we're walking through difficult years like this one, maybe unrivaled difficulty in a lot of our lives, Sometimes we want to press back against that and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, God, take that away. Get, we, we don't want that. We just want peace and prosperity and ease and pleasantries in life. But if that's all God ever gives, the end will not come. It could be, I have no idea. It could be that things like what are happening this year actually intensify. They extend. They get worse. We're going to read in just a second that, that there's going to be unprecedented trouble in the world that leads up to the return of Jesus, that leads up to the, the, the resurrection of the dead. And, and so we need to know that the presence of evil, the presence of suffering, the presence even of the mistreatment of God's people does not mean that God has taken his hands off. It doesn't mean that that's confusing God or took God uh, uh, unawares. God is writing a story that's going to get more difficult for the world, that's going to get more difficult for his people. So there's going to be this rise of the Antichrist. But ultimately, you probably saw in verse 45, and this leads into chapter 12, that ultimately the Antichrist will be defeated, right? 
It, it said kind of nonchalantly at the end, this powerful king who's going to rise up, it, the, the angel told Daniel, he shall come to his end with none to help him. It's like we need not fear him. He, he is going to be brought to an end. And so we're going to, I want to turn to chapter 12 now and read the first three verses here because we're going to see another indication of what is going to take place at the time of the end. Yes, there's going to be this rise of the Antichrist, but there's also going to be the resurrection of the dead. And this is glorious. Uh, sometimes we think that the resurrection, the teaching of the resurrection was just something that started after Jesus was raised from the dead. But you're going to see right here, this angel tells Daniel hundreds of years before Jesus comes that someday human beings are going to be raised from the dead in mass at the end of time. So read with me the first three verses of Daniel chapter 12. This angel continues. He says, At that time shall arise Michael. The great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Here in this text, this angel I already alluded to, it tells Daniel at this time of the end there's going to be unprecedented trouble. It's not just going to be peace and, and roses. There's going to be unprecedented trouble in the world. And that ought to be a sobering thought to us, shouldn't it? There's been some dark times in human history, haven't there? Serious trouble. And this angel tells Daniel about this day that's still future from us. And he says that there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. That's pretty much saying ever. Unprecedented trouble is going to come. But he tells him in verse 1, it's like he doesn't even linger on that thought. Because in verse 1, as he continues, he says, But at that time your people shall be delivered. So there's this deliverance that's going to come. And he doesn't elaborate on it. He doesn't say exactly what that deliverance means, what that rescue looks like. He, he doesn't uh, tell us if that means there's going to be some sort of military press back or if there's going to be a, a dethroning somehow of this ruler. Some of this is going to get fleshed out in the rest of Scripture. But he says there will be deliverance that comes. This is good news. Deliverance will come. And some people read this text, they read verse 1, and they think that it only means that there's going to be a rescue for the Jews. That when he says that there's going to be your people who are delivered in verse 1, some people think, well, that just means somehow the Jewish people, because Daniel was Jewish, they're going to be rescued. They're going to be spared in some sort of special, unique way. And I don't have time to elaborate on all of that, but I would point out that that sentence doesn't end there, does it? When he's saying who will be delivered, he says everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. That includes anyone, we find out as scripture unfolds, anyone who is connected by faith with Jesus Christ is going to be delivered at the time of the end. That there's going to be rescue that comes. And one detail we do know about this rescue, even if we don't know exactly how that Antichrist will be taken down based on this text, we are told that the one deliverance we will receive is a deliverance from our ultimate enemy of death. 
that the dead will be raised. Verse 2, he says that there are many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth that will awake. That, that's not just people who are like taking a nap on a dusty floor or something, right? There's people who've been buried in the ground who, based on the curse back in the Garden of Eden, whose bodies are turning or have turned into dust. He's saying God will raise them back up. God will give life back to their bodies. And it, that, it's this glorious, glorious, huge promise that he says that we will be delivered from death. And we can have even greater confidence of this than Daniel had. Daniel is taking this angel at his word that someday, somehow, people are going to be raised from the dead. Somehow his parents, his grandparents, his friends who he's seen suffer under persecutions back in Jerusalem or that he's seen die there in Babylon with him, that someday these will all be raised up. He had confidence to believe him, but we can have even greater certainty. We can have even greater confidence of how that will work because there is a human being who has been raised from the dust of the earth. Never to die again. And most of you know who I'm talking about. It is the person of Jesus. He was the first one to see this happen. The time of the end kind of started that Sunday morning when Jesus was raised from the dead. That after he had been crucified, like any other human being, his body would have slowly gone to dust. His body would have slowly deteriorated. But God raised him back up from the dead never to die again. Rewarding him for his obedience. Rewarding him for his sacrifice. And the New Testament calls Jesus the firstborn of the dead. Which implies that someday all of humanity will be raised. Not just many even. I think that's an understatement that this angel says many of those who sleep will be raised up. We know from the rest of scripture all of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will be raised up from the dead. Never to die again. But it is important for us to hear what this angel says. That he says when we are raised up from the dust of the earth... There will be one of two fates, doesn't he? It's not just, oh, everybody's raised to life happily ever after. He says that some will be raised to everlasting life, verse 2, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And that is a haunting thought. It's a glorious thought that the people who are united with Jesus by faith are raised to eternal life, and sweetness and glory and joy and peace forever. But there are many who are going to be raised from the dead to a worse station. Who will probably wish that they could have stayed dead. Who are going to be raised to destruction, raised to judgment, raised to eternal punishment. And it would be wise for us to think and give pause and think, which am I? Because you're one or the other. you will either be raised at that end of time to eternal life or you will be raised to eternal judgment and the, the scriptures teach this angel didn't explain it all to Daniel but we know based on the rest of scripture that the dividing line that the breaking point that determines which you are and which you will be raised to is whether you have turned from your sin and placed your trust in Jesus Christ all of us deserve to be raised to judgment and contempt and shame. But because Jesus bore that on the cross for us and was raised from that, if we will turn from our sin and place our trust in him and what he has done and who he is, 
having suffered in my place, been raised from the dead, we can be transferred and joined with him. And when that resurrection comes, someday we will be raised to eternal life. So I would, I would commend each of you to not let today pass without determining and knowing in your soul which category am I in. And to turn your life to Christ, to confess your sin and place your trust in him. And he will this day unite with himself. And you can have hope for all eternity that you will be raised to eternal life. And I, I hope that this text, this, this forecasting of resurrection can not just be a call to conversion for us, to put our faith in Jesus, but it can be a, a call to hope for us who've buried loved ones this year, who've buried loved ones years ago, who are, are fearful of this virus, who are fearful of death that's looming for all of us. Satan loves to hold death over our head and strike fear in us. But this angel, what he tells Daniel, what we have seen come true in Christ should give us hope in the face of death. It's not just a prospect of death, it is a certainty if Jesus stays in heaven, but we can have hopefulness and courage to even face it, that wave of death that we sang about earlier, that we can face that when it comes. Not with dread and terror, just, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to me, but with confidence and certainty that if I'm united with Christ, I'm going to be with him and someday my body is going to be raised to eternal life. So we see the resurrection of the dead as a sign of the end, a glorious sign of the time of the end. What began with Jesus is going to be, happen in mass to all of humanity, this resurrection of the dead. But this angel wasn't just telling Daniel these things about the future and even our future still to kind of be intriguing and interesting and fascinating. He was telling him these things, at least in part, to help him live what remained of his life, right? Even though he was an old guy, he was telling him these things to help him know how to live in whatever years remained. And so I want to read verses 4 through 11. I'm going to hold off on verse 12 for just a second. I want to read verses 4 to 11. I'm going to call this section the resolve of the faithful. The resolve of the faithful. This is what should mark the people of God as we wait that day. Uh, that, that we shouldn't just be waiting in anticipation and kind of twiddling our thumbs, but there should be this resolve that comes in our lives as we, as we wait for that end to come. So follow along with me, verses 4 through 11. This angel continues, and then we're going to see some dialogue between uh, a couple other angels that are actually nearby on the river uh, and Daniel. Verse 4 down through 11 says this, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, Oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. 
And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. I'm going to hit pause there. I'll leave verse 13 for just a second. We get snapped kind of back into the reality of what was going on here. For a couple of chapters, we've been having this angel talk and tell Daniel all this stuff that's going to happen in the future. And you almost can forget, oh, this is actually an old guy standing on the river, <laughs> the bank of the Tigris. And there's this angel who's there. And you snap back to it in verse 5. He, it's like Daniel comes back into more cognizance of what's going on around him. And he sees a couple other angels. There's this one who's above the river and there's these two others on either at the beginning. How long until this is going to take place? And this, uh, this primary angel who's been talking to Daniel the whole time answers him. Uh, verse 7 talks about kind of his posture. It's this sincere like raising of hand. Like sometimes we like say, I swear. And we'll like raise our hand when we want to say like, no, I'm serious about what I'm saying. This angel raises both hands and, and speaks. He wants to speak truth about how this is going to shake out, how long it is going to be till these things take place is what all of us wonder. When will it be? When's it going to happen? And I wish I could tell you with more certainty when it will be. Uh, but this angel kind of speaks, not in riddles, but there's certainties and there's uncertainties in what he says. Right? There's things we can know, there's things we can't know. Uh, this angel in verse 7, he talks about, and this language gets picked up in the book of Revelation even, he talks about how there will be a time, times, and a half time. So if you had one, two, and then a half, that's three and a half times whatever that is we we don't exactly know there's a lot of people who say well those are years or those are a certain measurement of time i would suggest to you i don't think we're supposed to know that uh, it, it, i think at minimum that it's this language is supposed to indicate it's going to be a while not just one time not just three times but like three and a half times that is half of seven which people try to read a lot into that but i don't think we're intended to read into that so it's not this precise answer but it's saying that there is a definite known time right and in, in this book of truth there's a known time when it's going to happen and you see language in these verses don't you about how this book of truth that he's opened up for a little while and told things Daniel out of he talks about it being shut up that should be a visual and in indicator to us there's certain things we're not supposed to know that there's supposed to be a mystery about this of when these things are going to happen and who they're going to be and what years are going to happen. How can we know with certainty and with specificity about those things? Even the numbers he gives them, like talk about the time, times, and the half time. When he actually starts to give specific numbers, he gives them two numbers that are different for how many days it's going to be. He says it's going to be and I don't have time to talk about what this abomination that makes desolate is. We could speculate about what that may be. But he says in verse 11, it's going to be 1,290 days, which is about three and a half years. That's why some people uh, think that is what that means. But then he says 1,335 days. Like, oh, it's a little bit longer. But even there, there there's these specific quantities, isn't there? So even though it might be mysterious, there is a day, I will tell you, there is a day right now that God knows all of this will come to an end. It is not unknown to him. It is on a calendar. It has a month and a day and a year. 
where all of this human history is going to culminate and come to an end. And that is what the certainty that this angel wants Daniel wants us to know is that it is coming to an end. There is a day where all of this will culminate, where all of this suffering and trial will end. I love in verse 7, it's kind of this double negative thing, but he talks about how the shattering of the power of the holy people will come to an end. And what that picture is that the holy people, the people of God, are going to keep having their, their, any power and, and glory like stripped away from them and the world is going to keep being shattered and shattered and shattered. And he's saying that shattering will stop someday. The oppression, the mistreatment of God's people that's going to intensify at the end, it will end. It's not going to go on forever. It will end. God will ultimately put his foot down. So how do we live in the the time where we wait, right? Verse 12 talks about we wait for that day, that last day to come. This angel talks about two groups of people. He talks about the wise and the wicked. I don't know if you picked up on those terms there, but he he says there's going to be what? The people who are wise, and there's going to be the people who are wicked. Verse 10 talks about that. He says that there will be many in this meantime who purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. Be the wise who are seeking to grow in godliness, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of suffering and mistreatment. But then he says, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked will understand. And so there's going to be these categories. Even as people know or expect that the end is coming, some people are going to respond with wickedness and just feel like this license for me to just keep doing what I want. God's never going to intervene. I can just live for myself and kind of seize the day for myself. The wicked will keep acting wickedly. But he says that the wise, the people who know the truth, the people who know that God reigns, that Christ is coming back, they will live wisely. They'll seek to purify themselves. They'll seek to not like make themselves acceptable to God as if that's possible, but they will try to grow in godliness even in the midst of trial. They'll seek to be faithful to the Lord even when they're being mistreated. They'll seek to honor him with their lives. They will lay down their lives in honoring of their Savior. It will be tempting whenever the end time comes. You can read about these throughout the scriptures. When the time of the end comes, it will be very, very tempting for God's people to abandon him. Very tempting. And Satan will drive at us if we live in that day. Say, who is this God that you say you serve? He's letting this happen to you? Like, why on earth are you even trying to live for him? And he would want us to walk away and think, you know, maybe you're right. Like, maybe this is just going to pot. Maybe I should just live for myself. But this angel is telling Daniel, the wise will seek to grow in godliness till the end. They will take God at his word and they will press on in faithfulness, even through fire like we've seen in Daniel. They will, they will press on through it. And I want to call us to be ready to do that as a church. If we're that generation that lives through that. May we be ready and may we be faithful as we wait till the end. May we have resolve in our hearts. But I want to tell you this last verse, 13, has, has struck a chord in me this week and I want to take a couple minutes to explain it. And I find it fascinating. I find it uh, moving to read how this book of Daniel ends. Because there is a very personal word spoke by this angel to Daniel himself. Not just about the future, not just about kings of the world and things that are mysterious, but to Daniel himself, this angel ends with a very pointed word. 
I'll, I'll call this last section, if you want to call it verse, this section, the reassurance of the soul. He says to Daniel, he says, but go your way till the end. Think about who this man is that just hears those words and where he is and what station in life those words are spoken to him. So Daniel is this old man by this point in time in his 90s and he's standing there on the bank of the Tigris River just had this glorious vision and now this angel is speaking more directly to him. He's old. He's lived his whole life, whole adult life since he was a teenager back in chapter 1 of Daniel. Lived his whole adult life in exile. Decades and decades and decades, literally. Away from the promised land that he grew up in and that he would have associated with the peace of God and the presence of God and the glory of God. He has been away from that for decades. He's undoubtedly tired at this point in time. He has lived under several kings and at least a few kingdoms have transferred power during his lifetime when he's been away in Babylon. He has seen, when he was a younger man, he has seen his friends thrown in a fiery furnace and spared from it. He has confronted powerful kings like Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar himself. Daniel himself, even as an old man, had been thrown into a lion's den to be killed and devoured by lions and been spared by God. I think he would have been not as old and tired, but homesick. That land he had grown up in, that had been, it was now feeling more and more like a faint, distant memory to him. And he's realizing, connecting the dots, like, I'm not going back there. Like, I'm not going to get to go back. That land that God promised to his people as an inheritance, he's hardly gotten to live in. And now, on top of all of that, he's just been told by this angel, it's not just there's going to be a couple kings that follow that are going to be rough. It is going to be till the end. There's going to be kings who mistreat you and your people, Daniel. There's going to be people who oppress you. There's going to grow unprecedented trouble. And Daniel, like, he, I could just imagine how this is sinking in to him. He's old and tired and homesick. And he just heard this heavy stuff about the future. And if he had ever had hope of peace and, and calmness in his life, that is gone now. But this angel tells Daniel, says at the end of days he says you shall rest and he says and you shall stand in your allotted place so he's telling him death is coming for you like you will rest physically but there's going to be a rest that is deeper and truer than you have ever experienced Daniel And he's telling him, just like he just told him, there's going to be many who are raised from that. He's telling him, after you die, there will come a day when you will stand, body and all. Where you will peacefully stand in your allotted place, your inheritance, God's place that he's given to you. You will stand. He was telling Daniel that there was this homeland, that there was this city 
that a resurrected Daniel would someday get to experience, that he would someday get to experience the rest of that city where there's no more threats, there was no more foreign kings, there's no more ships, and there's no more chariots coming to attack, and there's no more furnaces for people to be thrown in, no more statues for people to be told to bow down to. No more threats, no more wars, no more changing of kings. There's not going to be Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar or Darius or Cyrus. It will be King Jesus ruling over that city. And Daniel wouldn't have known his name, but this angel is pressing him to look forward to it. To this city that Jesus will rule over. And we're told that that will happen in the scriptures. That someday that heavenly city will come down to this new earth. And God's people will have this rest and peace Ever. So he tells Daniel, hearing that, he says, go your way till the end. Press on in faith, Daniel. We don't know how long Daniel lived after this, but he's telling him, press on in faith till the end. Because on the other side of death, there will be rest for you and there will be resurrection for you, Daniel. And the same is true of us. Right now, we keep asking each other, when will we get there? When will we get there? When will we get there? Someday we will get there kids think sometimes when we're going to grandma's we're never going to get there but we do and sometimes we think we're never going to get there but we will amen Amen. I want to pray for us I'm going to invite the worship team